our hearts, fill our minds. Do miracles, Lord.
Some of us today is a special day. <laughs> See if you put any of the Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm glad to be here. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I I confess confess that that I have sinned sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by by what what I have done done, and by by what what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolute remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace Consolation of His Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Thank you, Lord. With your spirit. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name. For you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Children. If you are first grade or younger, please come forward for today. We have Sunday school for you. <laughs> we have one. There's a fine children right here. Amen. <laughs> wow, you're a lot taller, but <laughs> ninja in training. Bless them, O oh Lord. Amen. As they Thank go you, to Lord. learn all the things about you, Lord, as they go to be prepared to be mighty men and women of God. Bless them in their coming and bless them in their going in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Amen. Go follow Mrs. Madison. <laughs> This morning's first lesson comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 32. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. When it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat, clothed him with a coat of mail. 
David, David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off, and then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about, and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you flesh I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day... The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was, when the Philistines arose arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand reading the psalm. This morning's psalm is Psalm 107, beginning at verse 21. Please respond by the half verse. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. For his wonderful works to the children. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Declare his works with rejoicing. Those who go down to the sea in ships. They see the works of the Lord. For he commands and raises the stormy wind. They mount up to the heavens. 
they go down again to the depths. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. He calms the storm. They are glad because they are quiet. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Our second lesson is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, commencing at verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that what that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. St. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when he had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. And they woke him and said to him, 
Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Gospel of the Lord. Lord, I just pray that as we uh, break your word this morning and we look at this amazing design that you have used as your plan to build your kingdom, that it become obvious to us, Lord, and that we embrace it with our whole heart and whole mind. Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you because it's Father's Day about fathers. And uh, if you remember, I'm not sure it was, I think it was last week, but or the week before, uh, our Colette made an unusual reference. And, and it, it said, keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast love and faith that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that we continually are looking for, or I'm continually looking for, because I want to I be bold and, and I want to be courageous in my witness for the Lord. And so I, I'm continually looking for the Lord to... Uh, instill and and just to cause my faith to arise that my enemies might be scattered. Do you do that? Don't ever be afraid to pray for your faith to arise. Because we want to be powerful in what we're doing, not necessarily for ourselves, although that certainly is a, a consideration. It feels good when you are more than a conqueror. But for that the word might go out, and we might be fulfilling the role that God's created each one of us for. Right? I want to talk about Joseph. Just a minute. Joseph was Jesus' father. See, uh, now there's a good chance that many of you, the younger kids probably, didn't even know who I was talking about. Because he's so unextraordinary. So he was never really seen to be this major player in Scripture, and he's kind of forgotten. And so the reason I'm mentioning him is he's, he represents you, the average man, the average Joe. who's never really noticed, but who's faithful to do the job that God creates you to do. Imagine this conversation. Hey, Joseph, I need a favor. 
I need you to do something for me. Can you imagine the torment that Joseph faced and went through because of that conversation? The ridicule. He marries Mary, pregnant. And imagine how he covers this family as this courageous man of God, and only a courageous man of God could do. He moves great expense several times to other countries. He's physically stretched, spiritually stressed, mentally stressed, and worn. Obviously, often moving just to escape the danger, potential death for himself and his little family. Oh, and Joseph, I'm going to play it down. Most people never even realize who you were. Sorry. But when one examines this man's life, it's a perfect picture of manhood, fatherhood, and being a husband. And that's why, although I'm a huge proponent of Mother's Day, I mean, I really am. (laughs) I owe everything to my mother. My very being here... (laughs) But I'm also a huge fan of Father's Day. You know, God used the very same pattern in the church that he used in the family unit. With the father. But let me just say that as much as I admire the family and the unit that God created, this amazing design that he's done, and how he can use that so successfully together with other families to build his kingdom, I want to make it clear that the family is not enough. A family rooted in the Lord through a local church experiences vastly more success. It blows away the success reached by other family compositions or no family at all. It's as obvious as the nose on your face. You young people that are going to uh, school now, high school. by the time you get to high school, you run into this odd word that you didn't see much around here called divorce. And many of your friends end up being people that are estranged in many ways from parts of their family. They don't live a typical biblical lifestyle that you were taught. I can count on one hand the number of successful families I've met in my life who weren't joined in a common faith and practice. 
I know because I grew up and lived and operated for 11 years before I found and returned to the Lord. And I met a lot of people in that time. But why wouldn't it? Well, for the very same reason that David had such incredible courage to go out there as this young man and take on the Philistine. He was a nutcase. Now, he was crazy, but he's crazy for Christ. See, inside him was this, what had to begin, as everybody, as a kernel, small seed, but grew into this faith monster. And so, Goliath wasn't the last of David's great triumphs. But he went from triumph to triumph to triumph to triumph. It was all based on this faith, this almost blind faith. And I could sure guarantee you that the more you acquire that, the more powerful you will be. It's just funny how that works. <laughs> but you have to step out of the boat. Silver, you may not have, and gold, but that which I have I give to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise. I guarantee you, God has created life-changing moments for you. Now, you can sit here your whole life never experience them, or you can reach down and say, I think I can. And I'd rather have any one of you praying for me, because it's not us, but it's Christ within us, the hope for glory. So we look at this model of a man, Joseph. And we see that Joseph, in spite of all of these, no, no, don't do it, followed the same ordinary path that most of us men have followed. And he took upon a wife. And he raised family, and he worked hard, and he lived as a man with courage and faith. And like every other man who takes that path, he saw his reward. Psalm 92 it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. 
Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They'll bear fruit in old age. They'll be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And so the problem of Psalm 92 is even as you age, that you'll go from success to success. You'll be overcoming and overcoming and overcoming. And that's where I want to live. God, I hate this life I see around me. They think they're living, but without a destiny? A family consists of two more people. I'm giving you the definitions here. One of whom is the householder. They're related by birth or marriage or adoption. In today's society, that experience often is split in adulthood and you reside in different homes, yet you fellowship together as a family. I imagine that I'm hopeful that parts of my family will do that today. I have uh, one son who lives with me and a son with a family who lives in town. And my guess is sometime today we'll all be together. Because that's what it's all about. But what part do I play in that? What part does my son who has his own family play in it? Is he just there, just a member? Is he just someone who's been designated by a title? Or is he a David who said to hell with that Philistine, you think the Almighty God is going to let him speak like that? about God and his people? That's the kind of man that God wants us all to be. And whether we uh, attain it or, and I doubt if we will by experience, but we all have the opportunity to live it and desire it with all that's in us. That's what being a man is. The church is only mentioned the word twice in one book, Matthew. No, Paul has great difficulty trying to describe what this is that we're doing here. This entity that comes into being only after Jesus' ascension. Paul calls it a mystery. 
explaining him the difficulty he's having trying to tell us the true nature of a New Testament church. He most delineates, though, that it's a body. Getting a sense of being living. Not dead, not an object, but a living thing. A body made up of believing Jews and non-Jews on par with each other in one body situation. A household. He uses this motif of the household heavily in the letters to Timothy and Titus, constantly talking about his own relationship with sons and about the the designated uh, hierarchy found in a family unit. The church properly conceived is this entity that uh, God has created for a purpose. You know, we should have purpose-driven lives, but we should be a purpose-driven church. And I thank God that I've been a part of one. And that all the men that are around me are men asking one question, what's next? You know, Paul, when he was thrown to the ground on the road to Damascus and finally was able to become conscious again to some degree, and he he knew that the Lord God Almighty had done this to him. And his only response was, Lord, what would you have me do? Manhood entails having an agenda, hopefully the Lord's, and and pursuing that working towards it. Work is a part of the ethic and the basic construct of man and manhood. In both the Jewish motif In the Greco-Roman world of the first century, we have the same system in operation in God's household. It's led by a father. And who was it that said, there were many teachers, but few fathers. For many reasons. In the day we live in today, nobody's looking for fathers. They figure they can get it all on their phone. You 
And I must admit, you get a lot of it on your phone. <laughs> but the phone is not the answer. <laughs> and not only do you see this construct or motif of the family unit led by a father in all civilizations, but lo and behold, when the church is birthed, you see it there. The same pattern. Maybe it's because it's a pattern that originated with the Trinity. It's a godly thing. It's the metaphor and primary way that Paul always conceived the church in every letter he wrote, trying to describe its function. And what is central to that whole concept in conceiving the nature of the church is the centrality in dealing with leadership, as we find like First Timothy chapter three, where he describes an elder. Interestingly, he says this church leader, this elder, must manage or rule his own family well. And see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Now, all those fathers out there. Well, let me talk to the gonna-be fathers. This ain't an easy deal. I can guarantee you I've given my children over their lifetimes, reason to not respect me. You don't try, it just happens. But try nevertheless, we must constantly be doing that we would give the right example, that we would lead not by why we say, but by what we do. And that we could do all that we could possibly do to equip our children for entering the great battle of simply overcoming this world. It used to be that the church would separate themselves. But now it's, it seems to me like the, the world is doing everything it can to lasso you and keep you a part of them. <laughs> they don't let you go. And you, you get in trouble for leaving. 
that just, I would say, and, and, and it's escalating, I would say in the last uh, five years, there's just been this tremendous change, but certainly over the last 20 or 30, from when I was uh, a young person even, <laughs> there's been a huge change. Thank God now that I am older, they leave me alone. But I watch them going after you and my children. Always trying to cause you to believe what they believe, which is a lie. An elder must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? All that said, we can see this integral connection between the family as a natural household and the church as God's spiritual household. Let me say that one more time. If you can see this template that God so requires in the family, you can see why its success would be utilized in the church. Now, when you go out there, there's thousands of churches. There used to be one. (laughs) And then there were two. It was divided and became the Roman church and the Orthodox church. And that, that happened after about a thousand years of the church being in existence. And 1054 is when they split. And then about 500 years later, they decided that wasn't good enough and began splitting through what we call the Reformation. And now there's, at last count, 45,000 different churches. Fortunately, they all are in some accord and probably in agreement about 98% of what they believe. You know, I had an interesting experience one time. I was back in Georgia with uh, Bishop John Holloway, my dear friend who's gone to be with the Lord. (coughs) He's driving me around Upson County, showing me all the churches. And they were (coughs) 75% Baptist. And the Baptist churches were 75% different <laughs> than the Baptist. There was, there was, I'll never forget, there was one, there was two churches identical. They used the same plans across the street from each other, and they were both Baptist churches. 
They must have big differences, but it wasn't in the architecture. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Where am I going with all this? The plan. <laughs> That's where I'm going. It's Father's Day. Why we have fathers. Why we need fathers. Fathers are so incredibly <clears throat> important. And so we who become fathers need to heed that. We need to be men of prayer, men of courage, men who are laying our lives down for our families. That's why we don't give you a rose when you leave. But we hopefully give you a sword in the spirit or arrows for your bow that you might go out and take the kingdom and defend what God's given you. It's clear in both these patterns that it's God's divine plan for the family and for the family of God, His church. Amen. Amen. Here endeth the lesson. Please stand. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, light of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to Scripture, and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead. In the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray for the church and the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. And we all may be one. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. That your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons that they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. That there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. That our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. That they may be delivered from their distress. Give to the departed eternal rest. Let light perpetual shine upon them. 
We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I give to you, my own peace I leave with you. Regard not our sins, but the faith of your church, and give to us the peace and unity of that heavenly city where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign now and forever. Amen. Amen. Peace the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with peace. Peace of the Lord. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. All right, I got a couple of uh, announcements I want to say. First, Happy Father's Day to all you fathers. Uh, I want to I want to say a word of thanks to those men who were here yesterday for our men's meeting. We uh, we were doing the work of the Lord, like David and Goliath. We were taking out the trash. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a lot of things that we've been doing around over the summer and and in the spring, and we've got more plans ahead. Uh, cleaning out our pairs hall, straightening up our kitchen, and making more and more spaces ready for the use that we have for them. And I wanna I wanna encourage you to come in the next couple of July men's meeting in August. We got some other projects we want to do to uh, spruce up the place. And and not only the men, but I want to uh, thank the the ladies and others that have been involved in in the uh, Sunday school, getting that ready. That included uh, straightening up one of the rooms we have downstairs for that, and uh, that went well. That was good. Thank you for all those people too. And there's plenty of opportunities there. Eric and Becky are in the nursery this morning. Our nursery is open. Our Sunday school has started. There are opportunities. If God's calling you into that kind of ministry, reach out and let us know because there are opportunities. Things are coming alive. So thanks be to God for that. I want to also call out an opportunity for you for the youth. Youth retreat is coming up in August, August 5th through 7th. Our young people are headed out to Big Bear. Going to be a lot of uh, fun and good fellowship there so if you uh if you're a youth put it on your calendar and if you're not you can still participate just make a donation <laughs> you know, reach out and help our young people have a great time <laughs> amen <laughs> so i just want to encourage all of you there's a lot of opportunities there for for you to get engaged in the things that the church is doing right now and uh, last but not least is next Next Sunday is Foundation Day, where we observe uh, the anniversary of the founding of the Charismatic Episcopal Church. We take up a special offering uh, to take over the world, I think is what it's about. <laughs> we invest in churches, the denomination does, around around the country and around the world so that the people of God can have a place to worship. So uh, prepare your hearts for that also. And that's it. That's all the announcements I've got today. Thank you. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship. <laughs> 
and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
church to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord, and it's made ready for those who want to love him and those who want to love him even more. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here. So you come today to the table. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you call us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. your holy indeed the fountain of all holiness let your holy spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy so they may become for us the body and blood of our lord jesus christ before he's given up to death the death he freely accepted he took bread he broke it gave it to his disciples and he said take eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me Later, when supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, the saving cup, and we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit 
Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig and all of our clergy. And especially remember those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. We pray this day for Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena and Naomi, Nadia, Kyle, Sonja and Maria, Sandra and Karen, Tammy and Kyla, Gavin, Shane, Jean, Sandra, Mark and Diane, Randy, Marlio, and our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton. Lord, remember your church and draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body of Jesus, may we be transformed, become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life. With the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us, may we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father. We have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us eat the feast. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and signals of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world, seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.